Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. So I am convinced that it probably started in elementary school when we would show up at church or at church, at school, and we would look at like the other kids' shoes and we would begin to compare them, like they got nicer shoes, none of y'all. Okay, like we would do jeans. I remember when I showed up at school and everybody had Levi's on, and I was like, man, I don't have Levi's, I got Sedgefields on, what's the deal? You know, so, so uh, that's when it started, or maybe it was when we would look around and we would see who had the most friends, or who could jump the furthest in the game. Do y'all remember this game? Uh, I think it was called Jump the Brook, where we'd lay two uh, jump ropes, is that what it's called? Like two jump ropes, uh, side by side, like parallel, and then we would keep increasing the distance, and you were supposed to run and jump, and we, you would compare your ability to how far you could jump with your friends, right? But then I think the epitome of this took place was in, when, when I got to high school, and in high school, everybody had Letter jackets. Yeah, this is my high school letter jacket. That's right. I can still almost fit into my high school letter jacket. And it was important to make sure that when you got your letter jacket, you had patches to put on your, okay, this stuff right here is important because this shows how many years you lettered, right? Like I lettered, I'm just going to tell y'all because this is my letter jacket. I lettered in golf. I lettered in wrestling. I, rattled in, I lettered in cross country, right? But that wasn't, that wasn't all of it. Then you need patches to go down the sleeves. And if you were really gifted and talented and you excelled in whatever you were doing at school, you would literally have patches all down the back of your jacket, right? And we we would walk around with these letter jackets on with a little bit of swag and we would like we like we knew who okay y'all y'all too young okay it was literally the standard of the sleeve yeah, you went through your high school halls, and when you, especially went to, when you went to other, like when you went to wrestling matches and to other football games, you would walk through the stadium, and you'd walk through the gymnasium, and you would look at the, the, the sleeves of the people in, okay, so y'all, y'all, so it, it, we, we, we wore them with pride, right? And these young folks don't know nothing. They don't even want letter jackets now, but in the day, this was important stuff, man. This was big time. And so, so, so it was just the beginning of OCD. Just the beginning. What is OCD? Obsessive comparison disorder. Right? Uh, now as adults, I got to get out of this jacket because it's hot. Uh, and it's small. Okay, but that's a different story. See, I can't even get it off. It's so small. All right. So uh, I'm going to have a grandkid one of these days. It's going to be... Like when they're eight, they'll be able to wear... Where my jacket. I only weighed 75 pounds in high school. Y'all don't know. Okay, so anyway, um, so now as adults, this is what we do. Yeah, pick that up. That's valuable stuff, Tari. That's like Hall of Fame stuff right there. So, so now as adults, what we do is it intensifies until what we do is we compare stuff like this. We, we compare uh, houses and cars and careers, and bank accounts, and vacations, and spouses, and kids. If you don't think that's true, that is the whole premise of Facebook, and Instagram, and Twitter. It is nothing more than letter jackets gone digital. 
That's all it is. So, so the problem is, is that now we, we have become completely obsessed with keeping up with the Joneses. And here's the real issue. In the course of becoming so sick with this OCD, the, here's the real dilemma, is that now we can't make the moves that we talked about or we won't make the moves that we talked about this year because we're so caught up in watching what everyone else does or doesn't do that we become stuck. So this is how it works. We begin to judge our worship against their worship. It's just patches, y'all. That's all we're doing is comparing patches. We, 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 begin, to, we begin to judge and, 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 and evaluate our movement compared to their movement, their prayer life against our prayer life, their level of freedom against our level of freedom. And in the process, we don't even know we're doing this. When we start comparing like that, it leads us to plateau because we're judging against them. So what I want to do over the next couple of weeks, I didn't even get to preach this morning in first service, so they, y'all getting something they didn't get. I want us to look and expose this debilitating disease called OCD so that we recognize who we are in Christ. We're going to look at just how the, the destructive nature of it, what it does to us. We're going to talk about the prescription to fix it. We're going to look at some of the symptoms so that we can get over this. we got to break this cycle for you to become everything that Jesus wants you to become and has planned for you to become. You must get over and break the power of OCD in your life and, and, and quit looking at what everybody else is doing. Um, for scripture's sake, uh, for a background, I want us to look at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 18. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, we're going to begin in verse 5. I want you to read with me here. You're familiar with this account. I'm sure it's this. It's whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. You do recognize that right there. That's what's happening is a young boy who was a shepherd on the backside of the desert taking care of sheep, is now over all the officers in the entire army. Just like that. No training, no boot camp. Well, he had his own different kind of boot camp, but none of their boot camp. He didn't go to officer school. He didn't graduate West Point. He didn't do none of that. Just out of the blue, out of nowhere, he is elevated above all the officers, and it says that they, they, they approved of it and they welcomed it. Then it says, when the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. And they sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said, they credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. And the very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul. And he began to rave in his house like a madman. And David was playing the harp. And as he did each day, as he did each day. But Saul had a spear in his hand. And he suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall. But David escaped him. Twice, OCD on full display here. So here's what's happening. David has unexpectedly, out of the blue, with no premonition from anybody that he was going to be able to do this, David shows up as a cheese delivery boy. Go read the scripture for yourself. The only reason he's at the battlefield is because his dad sent him with cheese and crackers to help his brothers who had been trained in battle 
He shows up at the battlefield. A big old guy by the name of Goliath shows up, defiles the name of God. David responds, and out of nowhere, unexpectedly, he kills Goliath, and everything changes, right? So we know that, that, that part, but what, what we fail to recognize is this. Because of that victory, you can go back and read it for yourself. I didn't read it to you, but right at the end of the chapter, it says, and, and Saul, after David wins the battle, says, who is that guy? Who's, who are, who's his father? And he begins to investigate who David is. And so now he, he, he is, um, he's thrust into the spotlight. This leads to a relationship between Saul and David because the Bible says that when Saul uh, says to the men of Israel, hey, somebody's got to go out and fight this giant. Whoever wins this battle, I will give my daughter to them as their wife. So now David has defeated Goliath. And now he's, because of that, his prize, I hope it was a prize, his prize was the king's daughter. And so now David has literally become the son-in-law to the king. And so the Bible says, I didn't read this to you either, it says that uh, Saul didn't even allow David to go back home. It says that Saul moved him immediately into the palace. Right? Are y'all with me? Y'all know this account, right? So, so, so David's uh, success is, it continues. So now um, he's part of the family. Now he's over all the fighting men. Now he's living in the palace. And the, and what, the part I did to read to you in, in that verse 5 teaches us that David's success continues. We would say this about David. Everything he touched turned to gold. Right, he, 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 said, he said he did it, everything Saul asked David to do, he did it successfully. So now what happens is this. The army is returning home, and the Bible says that when they're approaching the city, the women come out, and they begin to sing, right? Their song causes Saul to catch and develop a deadly case of OCD, Obsessive comparison disorder. So now Saul cannot get his eyes off of David's sleeve. Stay with me. It's a metaphor, but you, you, he's got the patches showing, right? You, all right. So, so, and he sees all these multiple patches. He's beat the giant. He, he's, he's the king. He, he's my son-in-law. Everything. He's over the army. The, the fighting men are, are following him. The, the, the women are singing about him. He's got all these multiple patches. And OCD sits in, right? Are y'all here this morning? All right, they were loud in first service. Y'all gotta be a little louder. I think y'all sleep on me. So, 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 so it's important, I think, to stop and consider just a couple things from this account and the lessons we can learn about OCD. I think I can help you this morning because we all, if we're not careful, fall prey to this disease. It doesn't go away when you graduate high school. It only intensifies. Um, the patches just cost more money now. So OCD kills joy. I want you to notice this. I want you to see this, that until the women begin to sing the song about David, Saul is doing great. You do recognize that Saul was handpicked to be king. You, do you remember the story? The Bible says the children of Israel clamor for a king that God finally gives in, says, I'll give you what you prayed for. Sometimes that's a whole other message. Sometimes we shouldn't. Okay, but anyway, he decides he's gonna give them what they ask for and they begin to look for a king and the Bible says that Saul was kneeled down behind some baggage, hiding, and God hand-selects him, hand-picks him. He chooses him to be the first king. He goes from a nobody to a son. 
somebody. He goes from living in a village into now he's living in a palace. Now he's, li- he's sleeping between, between satin sheets, right? Now he's got servants who are feeding him and waiting on him. Saul's doing pretty good. He's undefeated in battle. He's unquestioned in his authority. And yet, as soon as OCD kicks in, the Bible says that a tormenting spirit overtakes him. One man, it was Mark Twain actually that said it like this. He said, comparison is the death of joy. Saul had every right and every reason to be filled with joy and satisfaction and contentment. And yet, all of a sudden, when OCD rises up in his life, he loses all of his joy. He begins to live by the the idea that a 27-year-old guy, I don't even know who he was, he embraced this idea. He probably said what Saul was thinking. He said, the key to success is comparing yourself to everyone every day. Then let the anxiety and the fear propel you to work harder, faster, and with more motivation than the other person. That 27-year-old that wrote that had a nervous breakdown. At 27, Saul had a nervous breakdown. Saul had a breakdown of some sorts because of OCD. Uh, one man said that comparison is, uh, is an act of violence against the self. So, uh, so, so Saul becomes so trapped by comparison to David that, he, that when he watches what is happening in David's life, he is... He sees David's killing it. David's knocking it out of the park. He's got connections that he wished he had. And all of a sudden, OCD causes Saul to lose all of his joy. I have a question for you this morning. How many of us have lost our joy simply because we've begun to focus on what other people have that we don't? Uh, We were good until they got that car. Yeah, I'm preaching to me right now because my son just got a car. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, we were good until they got that job. We, we our, our house was more than adequate until they moved into that house. And, and, and we were good until they got blessed. And I was good until they got healed. And I was great until they got promoted. And all of a sudden, all the joy that I was experiencing in my relationship with God and the blessings of God, I see somebody else put a new patch on their sleeve and OCD rises up inside of me. And now all of a sudden, I got no joy because, because they got what I wanted and they got what I thought I needed. And we lose our joy. Not only will OCD cause you to uh, lose your joy, but there's another, another truth here that we need to capture this morning because I think this one may be the most important out of them. Although joy is important, I need you to understand that OCD will also cause you to overlook what God has done through you. Uh, I, I want you to notice, I, I, I'm not making this up, so you go back and read it for yourself. I want you to go back and read the passage of Scripture again because I hadn't caught it before and I finally read it and caught it. I want you to notice what Scripture says. Scripture says that the women come out of the city to meet Saul. The Bible says that when the army 
of Israel overtakes the army of the Philistines because of David's triumph over Goliath. It's representative warfare. David wins, so the entire nation wins. They rout the Philistines, and the Bible says they, the women come out of the city to meet Saul. The Bible says that the ladies, when they make up their mind that they're going to have a welcoming party for the armies to come back out, after David's great victory, the fact that he's killed a giant that nobody else is willing to fight, the Bible says that the ladies come out to meet Saul. They did not come out to meet David. The women sing about Saul and David. Notice that they didn't just sing about David. They also sang about Saul. All OCD causes Saul to overlook his own accomplishments and to underestimate what God has done through him. By the way, may I remind you that it was Saul who was wise enough to allow a young man who was untested and unproven and untried and untrained to go out and fight the battle with Goliath, that battle that would determine who was going to serve who. It was Saul who was wise enough to look at David and say, hey, these, the, 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 the armor doesn't fit you just quite right, and if you don't want to go out and fight in this armor, I won't make you go out and fight in this armor. It was Saul who was wise enough to stand up and say, I'm going to put David over the mighty men of our army. Saul had things that he had accomplished that because he gets sick with OCD, he forgets. He, he was, by the way, Saul was undefeated in battle. By the way, he has killed thousands Let's be honest. The truth is this morning that it should have been David who should have gotten upset by the songs that the women were singing because David could have very literally said, why are they singing about Saul? He didn't do squat. They just came off the battlefield. Saul wouldn't go out and fight Goliath. He was huddled up inside his tent, scared to death. Saul didn't go out there and risk his life. Saul didn't go out there and battle that, that giant. Saul didn't put his life at risk. David could have said, you know what? Why are y'all singing about him? He didn't do nothing. He could have been like, Saul didn't do anything today. You should be singing only about me. I should be the one upset. But it was Saul who got upset. In fact, uh, OCD will cause you to look past the hand of God in your life. I just, I just need to tell you this morning that, that some of you are angry and some of you are upset and depressed right now because someone else you are watching is killing it and is being successful. And the problem is, is that your OCD is causing you to miss the fact that you have been favored by God. So some of you miss the fact that God has grown you and that God has used you and that God has anointed you and that God hand-selected you and that God picked you out of the lineup and that God chose you. You forget the fact that you've won victories that other people would have lost. Your marriage has survived what would have destroyed other marriages. Your children are the children that other people wish they had. The job that you're hating right now is the job that other people are praying desperately for. The addiction that you beat would have killed others, the sickness you fought back from would have taken others out. We, you've made a significant impact in the lives of others. What he has used you to do matters. And if we're not careful, because we're so sick with OCD, 
We will see somebody else around us doing things that we didn't do and doing things that we couldn't do. And we will allow that to cause us to overlook the very things that God has called us to do. This morning, I just simply came by to tell you to get your eyes off of their sleeve and get your eyes back on your own sleeve. There are patches, there are medals, there are victories, there are triumphs that you have won. God has used you. God has won victories through you. Quit wishing that you had their life, quit wishing you had their wife, quit wishing you had their victories, quit wishing you had their wins. God has used you. And just because they're singing about their wins doesn't mean that God hasn't used you to win. Look at the signs. Listen, this is a word for somebody this morning. Look at the signs of victory in your own life. See, if you don't look at your own sleeve and remember what God has done in and through you, then what will happen is when people begin to sing songs about other people, maybe you're not in that season of life yet, but somebody younger, smarter, faster, stronger will come along and all of a sudden they will begin to sing about them and talk about them. And if you are not careful, our OCD will rise up and suddenly it will cause us to not only lose our joy, but it will cause us to trade our gratitude in for a grudge. Yeah. Simply because we fail to recognize that God has used us. I'm not asking you to put the patches on your sleeve and strut through here like I've done something and I'm a somebody. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that in the privacy of your own prayer closet, in the privacy of your trip home in your car, you ought to stop long enough and consider what God has done through you. You ought to stop just long enough to reflect on the lives that have been impacted and the lives that have been changed and the destinies that have been shaped in, in a path towards God simply because God used you so that you don't take on this attitude of I'm not enough and I'll never be like them and I can't preach like them and I can't pastor like them and I can't work like them and I can't sing like them and I can't, all this stuff and all I'm saying to you is you just need to quit looking at them and look down and look at your own sleeve and see what God has done through you. OCD will cause you not only to lose your joy and not only will it cause you to overlook what God has done through you, number three, and this is gonna sound redundant to most of you that have been here any length of time but I'm gonna keep I'm going to keep riding this thing till we get it, until we fix this in our lives. I see it happen over and over again. OCD will cause you to try to assassinate an ally. I want you to recognize that Saul had secured an ally. The Bible talks about the fact that David was completely and totally committed to Saul as king. In fact, in one opportunity later, David has an opportunity. It's the perfect opportunity. It's a can't-miss opportunity. He sneaks up on Saul while Saul is asleep. And, and one of his mighty men, I think I know who it was. I think his name was Abishai, but I can't prove it. But I'm pretty sure it was Abishai, says to David, why don't you kill, kill King Saul and you will be king, become the king tonight? We won't have to wait for all this to play out. We won't have to wait for God to step in. We will make you king tonight. And the, and, and the Bible says this was David's response. Don't you dare touch the Lord's anointed. So, so, so what, what's happening? Saul has secured an ally. He's got a young man that knows his place. He's a young man who refuses to touch God's anointed. He's a young man full of honor, a young man full of respect. And, and not only that, David is fighting battles for Saul. That Saul wasn't willing to fight. 
Do you recognize that because it was representative warfare that literally what has taken place is when David goes out and kills Goliath, he has literally secured Saul's kingship. Because if Goliath wins that day, Saul's no longer king, he's prisoner. Do you know what they did to prisoner kings in the Old Testament? Saul would have been dead that day. But he's got a young man that, 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 that is, is, is so committed and so faithful to him that, that he saves his kingship for him. In other words, when we evaluate Saul's relationship with David, what we recognize is that Saul's reaction does not match David's actions. Right? Instead, what happens is Saul's OCD causes him to compare himself to David when the women did it. Y'all do recognize that if numbers had been switched, there probably wouldn't have been any issue. If the women had sung, well, David's killed his thousand, Saul's killed, killed his 10,000, we wouldn't be talking right now about this passage right here. But all of a sudden, because he listens to this song and he doesn't like the numbers, it causes him to be consumed with OCD and he picks up a spear and he throws it at David twice. Now, I, I, both times the Bible says that David escaped. This is a side point. But now that I think back about whether Saul should have fought Goliath, I'm pretty well convinced that David was probably the right man for the job because apparently Saul couldn't hit anything with his spear. <clears throat> but because of what is going on in his heart, his, he literally tries to assassinate his ally. This causes Saul to now begin to spend all of his time, all of his energy, all of his resources on trying to hunt down David when all David was trying to do was to serve Saul. OCD caused Saul to attack someone who was trying to serve him. His perspective was so clouded that he couldn't discern the difference between the two. My question to you this morning is this. Do, does your reaction match the actions of the person that is trying to help you? How many of us have become so sick with OCD that we begin to act irrationally towards allies? I'm going to keep hammering this, y'all. I have preached this same little point right here. So I, I don't know who's been here for 15 years. Kim, you've been here for 15 years. Tired of hearing it yet? I have mentioned this over and over and over and over and over again because we can't seem to get this right. This is what happens. Some of you are actually throwing spears at people who are actually promoting and protecting you. You're attacking people who are fighting for you. Anyone whose gift takes attention off of your gift becomes a threat. Anyone whose anointing causes people to notice them is a threat. Anyone who begins to get favor, and oh, by the way, the reason they have favor in the first place is probably because of their relationship with you. But all of a sudden, they begin to get favor. And so now, they become, they become the target of our tongue, the target of our accusations, the tar targets of mistrust. Why do we do that? Because we're sick with OCD. I keep hammering this because here's what I see happening. I've seen it happen just this month. In January, I saw this happen. I see this happen. I watched too many of our folks destroy divinely appointed relationships 
They walk away, listen to this, they walk away from people that are propelling them towards growth and gain because they're comparing themselves to somebody else. And I, and I just got news for you. If you were here last week, you will understand my statement right now. If you don't deal with OCD, you will begin at some point, you will literally attack one of your four. It'll happen. They're just trying to help you. They're, y'all don't look at me like that. Come on now. I can, I can tell, they're not here, so I can talk about them in, in second service because they're not here. I can tell you right now, I'm watching this literally take place. If I've ever seen it illustrated, I'm seeing it illustrated right now in Hope Center. Guys come in, they develop relationship with the leaders of Hope Center. The leaders of Hope Center begin to tell them things like you need to put your phone down because you can't really engage what Jesus wants to do in your life until you get, uh, you, need to, you need to break off this relationship. And these guys are literally, at the beginning, they're like, yes, they understand. I'm addicted. I need help. I can't do this by myself. About four, at the four-month mark for most of them, this is what I've been told by multiple Hope Centers, at the four-month mark, they suddenly turn on the people that have been trying to help them. You're just trying to control me. I'm a man. I need a phone. I need that girl. I need, come on now. So I'm literally watching it play out at Hope Center, but it doesn't surprise me because I've watched it play out in you and in me. That if we're not careful, we attack people that we're only trying to help and only trying to serve and only trying to protect because we are so consumed with comparison. Now, this is the truth, and then I'm going to pray. Most of us, when we read this account, we see ourselves as David. Yeah. Everybody, I mean, you can preach the paint off the wall when you preach the story of David and Goliath. Everybody sees themselves as David. You can preach the story of Saul and David, and everybody sees themselves as David. But can I just be honest with you? Most of us are a lot more like Saul than we are like David. And I'm just asking you to examine your own life and get your eyes off of their sleeve and put it back on your sleeve and let the standard of what God can accomplish in your life be the standard of your sleeve instead of somebody else's sleeve so that now I can stand in a church called Passion and it may never be as big as any other church in the community and I can still stand here and go, God's doing stuff through me. And you can do what God has called you to do and you may not be the most famous and you may not be the most accomplished. You may not be the most well known but somebody you when you look down you can see the patches of the victories of God I quit my standard is not them my standard is what God has done through me so you can retire as a missionary after 35 years and you can look back and go you know what my life made a difference they didn't write about me in charisma they didn't put me on TBN but there are lives that have been changed for the destiny and the kingdom of God and I've done something because of what God's done in my life and I will not allow OCD to set in and me underestimate what God has done through my life and I will not lose my joy and I will not attack people that are trying to help me. In fact, I will begin to help people that have gifts that I don't have. Their gift is not a threat to me. Yeah. And so I'm going to keep hammering it till we get it right. 
And I'm not the perfect example, but let me just, I don't know why this is going through my spirit, but I'm just going to say, why do you think I keep handing this microphone to guys like, to, like Andrew and to, to Madeline and Austin? And Not too long ago, we had somebody that used to go to church here. They got mad. You don't like us old folks. You're just letting those young folks run everything. No. OCD. They had OCD. They had their day. But now somebody's coming along that's got giftings and anointings and favor. That doesn't diminish my gifting. That doesn't diminish my favor. In fact, it makes me look pretty smart when they knock it out of the park because I'm the one that gave them the microphone in the first place. Right? You say, well, what does that have to do with me? That has everything to do with your life and where you work and where you serve and where you're living your life. It may have something to do with the household you're living in right now because somebody may be more gifted than you in your own house and you got to, see I learned a long time ago that I got to be willing to live Julie lived in my shadow for a long time when I was when when, when I was everything I touched seemed to be successful I, I was elevated from this little nobody youth pastor in McCall South Carolina with 15 kids I go to Greenville North Carolina God grows our ministry all of a sudden he, he elevates us and moves us here as campus pastors in Southwestern and then all of a sudden national youth director and everybody wanted my gift they wanted to take me across every stage, let me preach every camp. I was preaching over 100 times a year. And all of a sudden, I come and, and we plant passion. And we're here for three years. The phone doesn't ring for over eight years. Nobody calls and says, can you come and do camp? But all of a sudden, the giftings and the favor on her life start rising up. And you know what I've, I've discovered? I've got, to be, I've got to be comfortable living in the shadow of her calling and her gifting. If I could teach the married couples in this, in this house right now, because if you, if you get trapped by OCD, you will attack your ally. I'm preaching right now. I'm way, I'm way off my notes, but I'm preaching. And I just see it over and over again. I, I watch people walk out of here and go, I, I can't stay here because they don't worship as, as much as I worship. How do you know? They don't pray like I pray. How do you know? Are they the standard? No. Get your eyes back on your sleeve. And you will discover that God is using you to do great things. Father, I pray this morning that you would break the power of OCD. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.